How are you all doing? Not how are some of you doing? How are you all doing? All right. Well, let's just move on then, hey? <laughs> I woke up with a spring in my step this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but something about losing sleep, something about setting your alarm early. Yes, Beck, keep the eyes open. There's something about getting up early for something. Have you noticed that? Like even though it's like hard to get up and get going and, and your body is saying, what are you doing? You need another hour. But like your mind is in gear. The day is fresher. It's very, you know it's fresher at 5.30 a.m. than it is at 6.30 a.m.? It's crazy. And anyway, so um, I woke up and with a spring in my step, I think it'll probably hit me about 3 o'clock this afternoon when my body tells me you missed an hour. You've got to catch up sometime. But that's what Sunday afternoons are for, amen? Amen. Sunday mornings are for being in the house. And then Sunday nights are for go to Sharkies. Thank you. Welcome, Jody. Welcome. I didn't know you were here this morning. <clears throat> anyway, two weeks ago I started to uh, get the, the full perspective of what Jesus did here on earth and the message that he brought to a needing, needy world. Remember that? And his main message, I, I declared that his main message in my point of view is that he came from heaven to bring one particular message and it was the message of grace. You see it right through the Gospels. You see it in just about all of the parables, this picture of a loving, graceful Father in heaven who would just lavish undeserved grace upon people. Shockingly, undeservedly, just changing people's mindsets, that kind of abundant grace. And Jesus did it all the time. And I think that that is why people rejected him. Because it doesn't sit right in your mind. What sits right in your mind is a just punishment for any wrongs that have been done, right? Oh, Kevin's got a new book called Grace. Oh, Verna's got it. There you go, Grace. Very good, Verna. Point for you. And, uh, but it must have been what was rubbing people up the wrong way. It was too easy in their mind. What Jesus was saying was too good to be true. It meant that everything that they had lived for up until this point was somehow out of whack and out of balance. No wonder they wanted to crucify him. Anyway, I want to move on this morning with that as a background. If grace was his main message, what else did he do? What else did he bring? Now, this is obviously apart from salvation to the rest of the world, to us. But I was sitting around, I think it was in the... Um, the the, the kitchen bench this week, around Tuesday or Wednesday, I was chatting with Cassia and I was like, I, I'm get, I've got heaps of stuff I want to say on Sunday morning, but how do I wrap it up? Last Sunday's was easy for me to just wrap it up with the word grace as the main message, but, but I see in Jesus like he was hanging out with so many different people. He, he spent time with people that you would think he shouldn't have spent time with. Uh, he prioritised people that were not used to being prioritised. Uh, yet he spent a lot of time with the Pharisees as well. 
and and just this, I'm, I'm just sort of getting my thoughts out across the dining, uh, the kitchen bench here, and um, what was Jesus all about? Just the huge amount of people that he had contact with. Some of us have like a world of about five people. That's all we seem to have contact with. But Jesus seemed to reach and have contact with so many. And uh, Ella chimes in. Ella, I didn't realize Ella was in the room at this time. I was just chatting with Cassia, and Ella said, so it's sort of like relationship, Daddy. I was like, yeah, thank you, Ella. The title of this message is Relationship. If Jesus brought the message of grace, he showed it through relationship. He brought it to people through relationship. He didn't just paint a sign up and say, there it is, it's grace, it's all. No, he brought it to you. He showed it to you. He spent time with you. And we're wrapping that up in the word relationship. So let's get on to this week's notes. How's that, Ella? Is that good? Nice intro. Such a, such a, a vast, I love the word vast. Does anyone use the word vast? They say it on, on, on Grand Designs in, in England. Have you seen that show, Peter? And they, this, this room is so, when they can't think of a word, they go, vast. Anyway, <laughs> very English. I like it. I'm bringing it back in. And anyway, he, he met with a, a vast array, how's that, of people, mixed, Pammy, settle down, Pam, of different cultures and subcultures, different personalities, didn't he? And not only did he like spend time with them, but he actually brought them gifts of salvation and grace and self-worth, things like that. I think of the, uh, the, the outcast like he would go and travel and meet with people that were filled with demons that, that were just locked up on an island somewhere because they had to be taken outside of a city. People didn't want to be there. And he'd go and he'd set somebody free in that situation. It's amazing. He's awesome. And, and there may be a woman who's got some bleeding issues, who has just become like an outcast in her generation, yet he will meet with her, touch her, or she touched him in that story, and bring healing to something so personal like that. He'll, he'll stop a crowd wanting to stone a prostitute for adulterous behavior, sinful sexual behavior. He'll stop them in their tracks until they're all disappeared and it's just him and her left to bring this grace to somebody who did not deserve it. Like we think of that, we think, oh, you know, oh, poor lady going through this. But, well, she probably lived a fairly terrible life. She may have had cause and reason. But, I mean, somebody in our we, we flick through these stories, but someone in today's society that these people I've just listed represent would be hugely outcast or, you know, people that you would just not associate with. And when it all boiled down to it, Jesus brought grace to people personally. 
I want to read you a story to you in Luke chapter 19. This is one of those. It's the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. All the kids know this story. All the little ones, all the short people love this story. Cassia loves this. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through town. There was one man there, there was one man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name, Zacchaeus. Now you can probably think, man, he knows everything, Jesus, prophetic word, but I don't, I don't think that was the case here. I think Zacchaeus was just very famous in that town. He was the chief tax collector. Everyone knew him. Everyone hated him. And Jesus has heard the stories, probably paid this guy taxes himself, right? So we knew him. Oh, sorry, if you think that's a prophetic word, don't let me part, you know, wreck your party. Zacchaeus, he said, come down here. I must be a guest in your home today. That is the message of God in this world. I must be a guest in your home today. And, and, and how God goes about in this day and age, goes about around the nations and around this place in Batemans Bay, knocking on doors, knocking on lifestyles, knocking on outcasts, those that are outside the kingdom and saying, hey, I need to be a guest in your house today. But there's something still about being a guest that needs to be invited, right? There needs to be a door that's opened. And Jesus is still, unfortunately, outside of a lot of doors. But he is calling out and the church is calling out and our lifestyle should be calling out, hey, there is someone that you really need to become a guest in your home, in your life. Anyway, sidetrack. What do we get up to? Six, Zacchaeus climbed quickly down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. I like that. They call him a sinner because of his job. But he's known as a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to your house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Classic, classic great story here in, 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 um, in Luke chapter 19. He was a notorious sinner. Let me paint you the picture. These tax collectors were often um, the Jews or the, the Israelite, the, the, the followers of God that had sold out their countrymen to become money collectors for the Roman Empire. So the Romans had gotten to somebody. They found often a weak person 
and they'd got them. And uh, Judas was a classic example, somebody that had a, had a, a soft point for money, for greed, and that they were willing to, to, for the sake of money, turn their back on everything that they believed, the culture, the, the, the family, the, the dream that they had. And um, so people despise them for it. I can't believe you've sold out our people. The Romans didn't like them either because they were just weedy, wimpy, soft people who had caved in. If somebody had done that on the Roman side, man, they're just dead. Like, so, so they were the in-between. The Romans didn't want anything to do with them until it was tax time. Yep, thank you. you. We'll spare your life this week. You've given us enough tax off the people. And the people hated them because they were taking all their money. And Zacchaeus was titled here a notorious sinner for that reason. Yet Jesus stops when he sees him in the tree. Zacchaeus, come down. Take me to your place. I need to be a guest in your home. Just from Jesus starting a relationship with him, doesn't say he preaches at him, doesn't say he teaches anything to him, he just arrives in the home and all of a sudden Zacchaeus is, is brought to this place within himself where he says, I'll give back my wealth to the poor. If I've cheated people, I'll, I'll fix it up. Just for having Jesus in the home, he's completely changed his persona, his, his identity, his drive for money. Jesus can do that. He humbles us, doesn't he? You get in the presence of God, you just like, you melt. You're just like, oh, it's amazing. That's what Jesus does. So he spends time with the outcast, the loner, the prostitute, Mary Magdalene, who was full of, full of demons. He spends time with these ones, and they start a relationship following him around. Zacchaeus is another classic example. And the third point I wanted to draw out of the life of Jesus and how he brings grace to people is this other category of people which he spends, I think, majority of the Gospels talking to. And that's the religious leaders. That's the Pharisees. That's the ones that were the experts in the law. These were the ones that believed in righteousness by their actions. These were the ones that were continually refining the law of Moses. But here's the big thing, and why he needed to confront them so often. They forgot that it was all about people. They were about redefining a law. Sure, they were about worshipping Almighty God. Absolutely, I don't deny them that. But the way they went about it, in thinking that they could get to a higher place by living cleaner or more pure, things like that, drove them after generation after generation to getting to a place where they forgot it was really about people. Jesus was a beautiful reminder from heaven by God, saying it's all about people. We watched Jesus building relationships with people. That was what these experts were missing. They even get to the point where on a Sunday, or sorry, a Sabbath, a Sabbath, so a Saturday, 
that, they, that there was a man with a crippled hand. Remember this story? And they were watching him, these experts of the law, these religious leaders. They were watching to see what he would do because if, if he healed this man, it would be classed as work and you were forbidden to do that on a Sabbath. So what does Jesus do? Of course he heals him, right? Of course. Because it's what he does. He's about people. He's about relationship and bringing grace. to He's not going to deny this person the grace of healing. He doesn't deny people. He pours out grace upon people. And he did this again in this instance. Of course he did. We read it without even thinking about it. Of course he did. But they were completely shocked. Why? Because they weren't about people anymore. They didn't care that this man had a crippled hand. We'll heal him on a Monday. Wait till Monday. Let's heal him tomorrow. That'll be, that'll be or Sunday. You know, I keep getting tripped up on that Sabbath thing. But Jesus sees people for who they are. And let me tell you this morning, he sees you for who you are and what you're going through. Forget even what's been taught to you in the past. Forget what I've even stood up here and said to you. Don't let that condition the way that you you think God doesn't want to come to you until you get something else right in your life. He loves you and he wants to come to you and heal you right there and then, physically, emotionally, spiritually. He's not waiting for anything. He does it there and then. And they'd forgotten this. They were unchanging people, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, experts in the law. They were unchanging. They were stuck in their ways. Anyone identify with, uh, I'm not looking around, but we all know people like that. I mean, you know somebody that's really stuck in their ways. It really stands out. It's obvious. These people were completely stuck in their ways. They were completely ungraced people. Remember we talked about ungraced people. People not willing to give grace. That was them. They were judging other people all the time. Judging people. See, I think this is why the Bible says don't judge people. Because you may fall into the same category as these people. See, only an expert can judge someone, right? But these guys were experts of the law, so they could judge people by the law. Sure, they got it written out there. They wrote half of it themselves. They, could, they, they had the right to stand there and judge people because they weren't, other people weren't living up to their standards. Yet Jesus comes along and says, hey, don't judge people. Show grace. To people, you never know what that person is going through, has been through situations that have brought them to that place. This isn't this is just a healthy reminder for me and for all of us. Don't judge people. You find yourself judging someone, even like critiquing them. You know, I, I think that they're like a bit like that because of this lifestyle. Oh, fine, you think of it, you don't have to let it out, you don't have to talk to other people about it and build that. That I don't want to be an expert in the law, religious leader, fall into that category. I want to be somebody that follows Jesus' example and pulls out grace everywhere I can. These people seem to be unchanging. 
here's the thing. I don't think any of us change very much. You think about it? Like, I think we've got the course of our life. I mean, we may change our careers. We may change where we live, some relationships, things like that. But, like, our belief system, our core values, they don't tend to change very much from when you're a kid. I mean, that's why it's so important to get strong values in in children's lives because they don't seem to change. People carry them right through their whole life. These people were the same, this third category of people were the same. They were unchanging. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, no wonder Jesus didn't have that much grace for them. Because he could see they weren't going to change. There was the odd few that did, came to him at night and asked him a question when everybody else wasn't listening and he'd bring grace to them. It's like they came down from their tree and invited him to be a guest in their home. But if they weren't doing that, basically these people were unchanging. And I fear that we don't change enough. I'm going to read one more passage and then I'm going to wrap up. You find it in Philippians. It was written by the Pharisee of all Pharisees. It was written by the most religious man on earth, possibly. You all know it's written by Paul, right? And this blew my my mind this week. At the same time, I'm thinking, God, why do I bother? People don't change. Why show me some of these truths? Because people don't change anyway, myself included. Maybe over 40, 50 years of hearing things, we slowly soften to things. We become a little bit less judgmental. But we we don't really change too much, God. He showed me this passage and reminded me what he can do, the power that of Christ to change somebody's life. Paul had his life changed. Paul was the most self-righteous man going around. And rightly so. He lived up to the highest standards. But God changed him. Let's read it in Philippians 3. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs. I love this. Listen to this. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say that you should be circumcised to be saved. I started reading that. I'm thinking, who's he having a go at? This is, I don't know what version you read, but I'm in the NLT in it. And watch out for those dogs, people that do evil. I'm thinking in my mind he's going somewhere like murderers, you know, people that are doing wrong things to children. I'm thinking he's going down that that track, right? Watch out for these dogs, those who do evil, those mutilators who say that you must be circumcised to be saved. Oh, he's talking about those religious people. 
the ones that say you've got to live up to this law. You've got to be circumcised to be saved. He's talking about them and he's using words like this. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. What a change in this guy, right? This is huge change. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a pure blood citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So here's the kingpin. I once thought all of these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's the line right there. I don't know about you, I just sense his anointing as soon as I read that line. I need to read it again. What verse was that? Eight. Yes, everything else is worthless. This striving, this working for our righteousness, all of it, is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Him, knowing Him. Here we are, back to relationship. Knowing Him. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead and to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one day or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amazing change. Amazing. Like the mentality change for this fella. And he'd give it all up to strive for a relationship with Jesus. And it made me realize, you know what? Change is possible. Change is possible. I heard somebody say, when Jesus comes into your life, he doesn't just rearrange the furniture inside. Sometimes we just invite Jesus in as a bit of an add-on, and he says, hey, why don't you put the lounge over there in your life? Why don't you just put this over here? Just change the furniture around a little bit. 
But when Jesus actually comes into your life, what happens? There is complete renovations getting done. There are walls coming down, things getting extended, thought processes completely being changed. In there. He does that. He brings change. Let me challenge you. If you're not willing to change or if you can't remember the last time you changed, I want you to invite Jesus into your heart this morning. Invite him to be a guest in your home this morning. Come down from your tree, your sycamore tree. Take him home with you this morning and say, Jesus, you're welcome in my life to come and change whatever you need to change. I have mindsets that are built up from years and years of seeing things that now if, 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 if that particular issue arises again, I'm automatically going a certain track. Forgive me of that, Lord. Forgive me of that. I want to be graceful like you are full of grace. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? I'm going to pray with you and for you. And I want you to really pray this. If what I've spoken to you has, has, has triggered something in your life, I want you to really mean this prayer that I'm going to pray on your behalf. Lord, come into my heart fresh. Thank you that you are the only one that can change a life. And these relationships, though short, Short they were in, in the New Testament. In those short encounters, you changed people forever. And it's what you do. And I'm inviting you to come and change me, change my heart. I want to receive the grace you so freely offer. I want you to be a guest in my home. Help me to follow you every day. Soften my heart, God. Help me not to judge others. Help me not to make up my mind about certain people early. Help me to not be quick to criticize, but quick to pour out grace, opportunity, an open hand. Help me to be a true disciple of Jesus, following your example. Jesus Amen. Amen. I'm just wondering if there's somebody before we finish up that you got some little story to tell from this week. Some almost almost like a little testimony, something that happened to you this week that is not gonna be off topic but he's really going to shine some light on some words that have been preached this morning. We've got, we got a few minutes. The kids are quiet. Let's just do this. And um, anyone, anyone want to share a story? Michael, do you want me to come over to you? Come over here. You don't even know what I preached on. You weren't here. What are you going to say? You know, once I'm, um, that my daughter is having another green paper. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Anyone else? Grace of God. Have you experienced the grace this week? Yeah, Gadget. Oh, man. 
got up too early for this, mate. Yeah, um, uh, this week, um, had a bit of a, my daughter's down from Wollongong, so sometimes there's a bit of friction because she's kind of pretty independent uh, of our household now. And um, anyway, there was a bit of conflict and um, she kind of went crazy and, you know, I don't know if I'm explaining things very well, but anyway, she, there was issues and um, and so she didn't even eat with us for dinner. She just went to her room and um, so it was pretty, it was looking pretty ugly and um, anyway, that, that night I, I just sort of didn't really, I didn't really do anything wrong so I didn't sort of think to apologise. I thought, well, you know, God will sort this out. So I prayed that night and I just said, God, you know, you need to, you know, show her if she's wrong, if if she needs correcting, and show me if I need fixing up. You know, uh, so anyway, that night um, she ended up getting up in the morning, and I was talking with her about um, a couple of dreams that I'd had before, and I said, "Oh, have you had any dreams lately, Evan?" She goes, "Oh, yeah, I had a dream last night actually," and um, I said, "Oh, really?" And then she explained the dream, and um, it made her completely give up her bitterness and hatred and just, you know, um, just, I guess, just the grace came in, you know, and instead of having all these reasons to to hate, she just realized that relationship was what made more important than that. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not going to explain the dream because um, it's pretty harsh. But, um, yeah, so that was, it was pretty good to just see, you know, grace win the day and, um Kind of work in that situation. There's always there's always reasons to hate in this world. Always, there's always reasons to to stand against somebody for particular reasons. Grace rises above those things, and actually is the only thing that has the power to change conflict. Not one side seeing the other side, oh, okay, now I know what you're talking No, no, grace given when it's not deserved changes people's lives. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he changed so many. That's why he's still changing many of us around the world. It's amazing. And let me encourage you, especially in this day, and I'm just staying here because I'm coming back to Sylvia in a sec. Um, let me encourage you, especially in this day and age when there's political issues going on, that we... Uh, the Christian voice needs to be heard, all that kind of stuff. Just remember, I'm big for it, absolutely, but just remember that our major uh, focus, our major um, objective is to show grace and for not, not to forget it, it's about people. Remember? It's about people. Jesus never forgot that. The religious people forgot it and tried to hold up a standard that the average person could not live to. And because they didn't, there became this divide between the godly and the ungodly. And it wasn't right and Jesus had to come back in, who was the most godly person ever, who could have easily stood up on his high horse, even higher than the Pharisees, and said, no, no, this is the standard, live up to it. Yet he didn't. He just showered upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Put out some messages along the way. Hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? But let's not forget it's really about people.
experiencing the grace of God. Sylvia. I'll make it very quick. Um, about a year and a half, I met a lady who came into my life, I believe God put into my life, um, because of some problems I was having. And over that last year and a half, I've seen her, you know, maybe once a month. Um, anyway, some of the things that we've discussed over the time we've known her, I know that she's not a Christian and she knows that I am. And she keeps saying to me in a lot of the sessions that um, I'm a strong woman. That's one of the things she just keeps saying. If you weren't such a strong woman, you possibly wouldn't and all that. So anyway, I keep saying to her that God gives me that strength. She always says things like, well, everybody has different things. I know she's not a Christian. Anyway, the other day she came, um, I had a session with her, but she couldn't. So she actually came to me, which is unusual. And um, she came to me in my home and we were talking and I was telling her about Hannah. We were talking about Hannah and how I've been trying to get scholarships for Hannah and how I was buckling under the burden of Hannah's financial school. And she said, all right, let's go. So she got on her computer and she Googled up a few things and which I've done all these things and I've rang many, many places. And within probably 15 minutes, she had up a site. I rang that site and two, I mean, I know everyone's going to unbelieve this, two, the phone rang twice and someone answered on the other end. We had one solution. She Googled another number and we rang that number. and Yet again, the same thing. The phone rang twice and the person on the other end, and these are big major corporations. I don't know if you've ever been on the phone trying to do these things, but half the time I sit there for 20 minutes just getting to the operator. Um, on the last phone call, the woman gave me information and said, I oh, will bring you next week with some sort of, um, yes, our company can help you. We can't do it directly, but we've got people. We'll get them in touch with you, and here you go. Like, there's God. And this woman sat in my, now this is someone who's been connected, I believe, to me for God. Not for that purpose, but for what I've always believed for what I can do for her, even though she's done heaps for me. And here is God working in just this other way. His grace, his love, showing something that is unbelievable. Hi. I just want to um, um, just go on with something that Gadget shared. Um, I was walking um, our dogs on the beach yesterday with my eldest daughter, who is actually working for the YWCA, working, uh, putting programs in schools for kids at risk. And uh, we were just talking about how um, a lot of teenagers are quite rebellious to their parents, and I'd actually read an article during the week about this rebelliousness and um, how uh, difficult they were to, to reach, to communicate with. And she said, yes, you know, even at work, there's people that, um, uh, you know, their children are really, really rude to them, but the trouble is they're rude back. You know, they, they react to the children. They're hurt by the children, so they react back. And we were just sharing the difference of knowing Christ in our lives and and just how, uh, you know, we've, 
we've got such great teaching from, from Jesus about how not to react. And she was saying, she said, Mum, you know, people today don't know the word forgiveness. They don't know how to, you know, take that, that, that step to overcome um, the reactions of their kids. Uh, so therefore, the situation gets worse before it gets better. And, you know, just Gadget's way of being able to pray for his daughter and, and just seeing that turnaround is just a, an incredible example of, of what, of what we're, we're taught, the grace that, that Christ has enabled us to know and to, for us to be able to, um, to, to share that and to put that into practice. And it's not always easy, you know. I mean, we can often be as parents pushed to the very limit, but, but we also have an example from Christ how to um, not take that on personally and to, to just let that, that go and to be able to pray for, for children or, or friends or whoever that happen to hurt us or grieve us um, and to be able to let that go and to be able to continue on with a great relationship. So, you know, God's grace is fabulous. Amen. We're going to wrap up here, but I'm going to pray just a sec. Are you with someone to share? I went to gym yesterday. I lost heaps of weight. Very good. Good girl. Good girl. I'm going to pray God's grace over you. If you carry God's grace in your life, it's easy to give it out. You notice that? If you're walking with God and you're in a beautiful place, you give, what, you give that out. When we're not, we're struggling, man, we can be not nice to be around. So I'm going to pray God's grace over you. You're going to experience His abundant blessing in your world this week. So much that it's going to just cause you to act out in love and grace all over the place with the people that you come in contact with. Lord, we just thank you that you pour out your grace on anybody that invites you in. And we invite you here, Lord. Pour out your grace upon us in our lives this week. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for it. We don't take you for granted. We don't take your grace and your favor for granted. But we love it and we invite it into our life more and more. Pray blessing on every single person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you have a great week? I'm going to pray for Jody down the front. If you want any other prayer, you're welcome to come down the front. Otherwise, have a great cuppa. See you Friday night, church service, Olive Tree, 6.30. Bring a friend. It's going to be amazing.